0: Hello and welcome to Buffy and the Art of Story season two. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, author of the Awakening Supernatural Thriller series and the QC Davis Mysteries, and founder of Writing as a Second Career.com. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Inca Mummy Girl, along with the usual breakdown of the plot... I'll cover the very clear inciting incident here, how Xander, who is a very flawed character, draws the audience in, emotional character arcs with major commitments, and some of the wittiest quotes so far. Also a new character, Oz, who I hope you will all come to love if you don't already. As always, there will be no spoilers, except at the end to talk about foreshadowing, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Inca Mummy Girl was written by Matt Keane and Joe Reinkenmeyer and directed by Ellen S. Pressman. We start with our opening conflict. This is the conflict to draw the reader into the story, whether or not it relates to the main plot. Here it does. Buffy, Willow, and Xander are walking outside toward a museum. Buffy is complaining that it's so unfair she has to have a complete stranger live with her for two weeks as part of the cultural exchange program. And we can imagine it will be hard for Buffy to hide her secret identity with someone staying with her. Xander, though, thinks that this melding of two cultures is beautiful. Inside the museum, Cordelia is looking through photographs of the exchange students. And she says hers is Sven, 100% Swedish, 100% gorgeous, 100% staying at my house. Buffy has not seen a photo of her exchange student. She kind of shrugs when either Xander or Willow asks about what the student looks like, but she does say he is guy-like. Suddenly, Xander doesn't think the cultural exchange program is such a great idea. We see a new character, Rodney, and he is scraping at one of the masks on display Xander makes some disparaging comments about Rodney's intelligence, and we get uh, the first set of favorite quotes for me from this episode. Willow says, you just don't like him because of that time he beat you up every day for five years. And Xander says, yeah, I'm irrational that way. Buffy says she better go stop Rodney and Willow decides she'll do it because not everything is solved by violence. After she's gone, Buffy says to Xander that she doesn't always use violence and Xander tells her what's important is that she believes that. Willow is very nice to Rodney and gently leads him away from the idea of damaging the mask. It turns out that she tutors him, and he seems to like her. But, as we'll see, she doesn't really discourage Rodney from vandalism, and it does not end well for him. The museum guide says the human sacrifice is about to begin and leads them into an exhibit with the mummy, She was an Incan princess, sacrificed at the age of 16 to protect her people, and she is protected by a stone seal. While they're in the exhibit and standing near the mummy, Buffy and Xander are talking further about the exchange student, Empada. Buffy says she's picking him up at the Sunnydale Bus Depot. After everyone leaves, we get our story spark or inciting incident that sets our main plot in motion. And here it happens about four minutes, 51 seconds in. Rodney has broken into the exhibit and he tries to steal that stone seal, which the mummy is holding. It breaks. This seems to free the mummy because it grabs him and sucks the life out of him. This is such a clear inciting incident for the story. We know right away what this is going to be about. And it is a classic horror movie using the mummy. After the credits, we see Buffy and Giles training. He's holding up these big pads. She's punching really hard. And it is obviously jarring for him. They're having an argument because she wants to go to the cultural exchange dance. He says no because she's the chosen one. We get another great quote. Buffy says, just this once, I'd like to be the overlooked one. She also tells him, uh, come on, Giles, budge. No one likes a non-budger. Eventually, after more training, Giles says, uh, yes, okay, because Buffy makes the point that having a student staying with her, she needs to be acting like she has a normal life. Also, I think the training has helped persuade him because we get a nice Giles comment, I'll just go and introduce my shoulder to an ice pack. Buffy and Xander, alone in the library, are talking about the dance. Xander wants her to go with him and Willow, because if he and Willow go alone, it'll seem too much like a date. And Buffy says, come on, in all this time he's known Willow, he's really never thought about her lips. Xander says, I love Willow, she's my best friend, which makes her not the kind of girl that he thinks about her lips very much. Willow walks in behind during Xander's line. Her face lights up when he says she's his best friend and he loves her and then just falls when he says he the part about he doesn't think about her lips. Allison Hannigan is so expressive here just she tells so much through her face. I don't I don't like this scene though because we're completely ignoring that Xander almost kissed Willow in the first episode of the season. I don't buy that Xander would forget that. The way this is played it seems like he has. It I don't feel like it's directed or acted in a way that tells me Xander remembers that and feels weird about it and doesn't want to tell Buffy. It it really seems more like that just never happened. It's one of the the rare times in the series where I feel like there is still that holdover from when each episode of TV had to be self-contained and could almost ignore what happened before. When I went back and watched one of my favorite shows, The Bionic Woman uh, from the 70s, I saw how much of that there was I feel like that's a little bit of what is happening here. I also am pretty sure the network must have wanted, or I shouldn't just say network, maybe, the producers and and writers wanted to keep that tension spooling out. And rather than address that almost kiss they like, starting almost with a clean slate with Willow and Xander as if that never happened, so we can have more tension there and not follow up on that moment. Willow doesn't say anything about overhearing. She tells them that Rodney is missing. The three of them joke around about how, oh, maybe he broke in to see the mummy, and it came alive, and it killed him. And then they all become very somber as they realize that's probably what happened, given that it's Sunnydale. Giles says he's not as convinced that's what happened, but they should go to the museum just to rule out evil curses. We get another great quote from Buffy, one day I'm going to live in a town where evil curses are generally ruled out without saying. At the exhibit, they find the stone seal is broken, but the mummy is there. Seemingly from nowhere, a man with dark hair and a ponytail who's wearing a white, um, makes me think of like a martial arts training or karate suit comes out and he attacks them. Then he sees the mummy and he runs away. Everyone is really shaken. They're about to leave when Willow looks more closely at the mummy and asks Giles if the Incans were very advanced. He says yes, and she asks if they had orthodontists. We see that the mummy has braces, which Rodney also had, and they all realize that this is Rodney turned into a mummy. Giles takes the part of the stone seal that is still left. It has pictographs and writing on it, and he says it'll take weeks to translate. Buffy says she has to go when they're back at the library because she's late. She forgot she has to pick up Empada. And Xander tries to persuade her that that's not important. Of course she has to go there. She's not going to leave Impada at the bus station. This is one of several examples of Xander's jealousy over anyone that Buffy might possibly be interested in that in retrospect gets on my nerves. Here it plays a purpose because we're gonna see him fall for Impada. So we get that switch and I feel like that's why we get this contrast. I have found it interesting though, each time I rewatch Buffy, it's at a different time in my life and a different time in what is going on in the larger world. I very much grew up in, I think, the same world as most of the writers in terms of the decades that we were growing up. And there was definitely that idea that if a boy or, when you're older, a man was interested in you and you didn't feel the same way, you kind of somehow owed that person something. You owed it to them to date them and just um, give it a try. Or if you did and you still didn't feel that way, there was this sense that they had a right to comment on anyone you dated. If you got involved with someone and it didn't work out, there would often be an attitude of, well, that's what you deserve because you had this great guy here, and you went out with someone else. Interestingly, to my recollection, it did not work the other way. If a girl was interested in a boy, and he didn't return it, and she kept having these feelings or acted possessive, she was just viewed as kind of sad and pathetic. I like to think Xander, if he grew up now, would behave differently. Uh, He might still have the crush on Buffy, but his sense of entitlement and that she somehow owed him or he could criticize anything she did relating to other people she was interested in would be different. We are now nearing the first major plot point, which typically comes about one quarter through a story. It is from outside the protagonist and spins the story in a new direction, which we will see here. It also usually makes things more complicated or challenging for the protagonist, which is definitely the case. We are not there yet, though we are about a quarter through the episode, at 10 minutes, 22 seconds, and it's a 42-minute episode. We see this young man alone and someone whispers empata empata he looks around and the mummy appears and sucks the life out of him when Buffy arrives and calls out for empata this very beautiful young woman steps out and that is what I think of as the one quarter twist it's 11 minutes in and it really turns our story in a new direction I also enjoy that this actress, a couple years later, I was still watching All My Children, and she turned up on that show. Which Sarah Michelle Geller was also on many years before that. Everyone is surprised that Empata is a girl, including Willow, who says, Empata, you're a girl. Xander is clearly smitten with Empata. She finds him quite fun and he makes her laugh, which I can relate to. Someone who can make you laugh is a wonderful thing. And she has been a mummy forever, so he's the first guy that she has talked to. She genuinely seems to have fun with him, and Willow, we can see, feels very sad about this. She's very impressed with Buffy's house and later Buffy's room. Buffy asks what it's like where Empada's from and she says it was very cramped and very dead at home. Throughout the episode, I like that Empada's answers are careful and honest. So everything she says is true if you take it literally, but she answers in a way that doesn't raise suspicions. And I pretty much believe this because what we're told, or we get the impression that as she has been taken around the world, she has listened to a lot of conversations So we get the feeling she has learned a lot about different cultures, including the United States. So I more or less buy that she is able to do this and put up this front. She also seems like a well-rounded character when Buffy asks about friends and she says, it is just me at home. Buffy empathizes with her because Buffy so often feels isolated And she tells her, oh, she'll meet people. Impata says she wants to fit in and be just like Buffy and have a normal life. Back at school, Cordelia is talking to Devin, a musician she's dating. Both of them are irritated with Sven the exchange student who is standing nearby. Cordelia is just awful. She says things to Sven almost as if he were a pet dog. She's like, Sven, come. We are going to deal with that later. Here, after she leaves, Devin is talking to a new character with red hair who is winding up a microphone cable, and there's a guitar behind him, and it is Oz. Oz. Devin asks Oz what he thinks of Cordelia, and Oz, in an ironic tone and a kind of flat voice, says, yes, she's a hot girl, but she's not his type. Devin tells him he's too picky, and Oz says he's not, that Devin is just impressed by any pretty girl who can walk and talk. Devin says they don't have to talk. We are supposed to see Devin as a jerk here, or at least as very, very shallow, and I see it as clearly meant to contrast to Oz. Willow and Xander are talking about costumes for the dance. Xander is struggling with what to wear, and Willow says this, has this great quote, Why are you suddenly so worried about looking like an idiot? that came out wrong. I thought that was fun, especially because Willow just says it. She isn't saying it to be mean or because she's jealous. She's just thinking, "Oh, you never you never worried about looking silly before." Buffy brings Impada to meet Giles, who right away asks her to translate the seal, and they claim it's for an archaeology club. She tells them that the man who is pictured on the seal is something like a bodyguard for the mummy. Buffy and Giles have work to do, so Buffy starts to ask Willow to hang out with Empada, but Xander jumps in right away and says he will take Empata around. Willow looks after them. She says, boy, they really like each other. About 18 minutes in, we see Xander and Impada at the bleachers. He is explaining Twinkies to Impada and making her laugh by showing her how to eat one by stuffing the whole thing in his mouth. Buffy and Willow are researching, but Willow is distracted. And when Buffy asks her something, Willow says, yes, I'm caring about mummies. They have this great conversation where Buffy says that Impata is only going to be here for two weeks. But Willow says then Xander will just find someone else who's not her. At least with Buffy, she knew Xander didn't have a shot. And Willow says she needs to make a choice. She can wait for Xander to go through everyone else who's not her. Or she can accept that it's just not happening and move on. And Buffy says, good for her. And Willow says, I didn't choose yet. I love this because it is so realistic, that feeling of knowing what you need to do to move on, but just not being able to accept that and make that choice. Based on Buffy's research, Giles thinks the killer is probably the mummy, and it can feed on a person's life force. But they don't know how to find the mummy or to kill it. Back at the bleachers, about 20 minutes in, so we are getting near the midpoint of the episode, the bodyguard appears and attacks Xander, saying Xander had the seal. But then he looks closely, the bodyguard, looks closely at Impata and says, It's you. I don't think Xander really picks up on that. And back in the library, he and Impada are there. She is very shaken up. And she tells them they should destroy the seal, that someone could die. They are talking in code about what's going on. She gets very upset and says, you're not telling me everything. This is very near 21 minutes in, so exactly the midpoint of the episode. So here, I usually expect to see some kind of major commitment by the protagonist or a significant reversal. Here, what we see instead are a series of commitments by the other characters, very significant, and I I feel like that that works. So I feel like I've learned something here that that it doesn't always have to be the protagonist. Although generally I think that is the best route, particularly if you are telling a single story, one novel or even one novel in a series but not something like a television series where we can have in a 22 season arc or even a 12 season arc you can have an episode or two or three that are more focused on the other characters. If it's a novel or a movie generally we're going to want our protagonist to be the one driving that midpoint. Here though first I see Impada here making somewhat of a commitment by saying you're not telling me everything. She is letting her emotions show through, but she will make a more major commitment very shortly. Xander here, he is the one who throws caution to the wind and says, you're right, we're not telling you everything, and it's time we do. He is about to say that Buffy's the slayer. Giles clears his throat, and Buffy glares at him, and they switch and say, okay, it's not an archaeology club, it's a crime club. Impala goes out into the hall, very upset, She says she just wants a normal life. This is a reversal for Impada. She really thought maybe she could have a normal life at least for a little while. And now she has this bodyguard coming after her and these friends that she's made. Are getting close to what's really going on. We will next have Willow make a major commitment. She comes out in the hall, Empata is down the hall at the drinking fountain, and Xander is telling her why Empata is so upset, and Willow says, you should take her to the dance. And Xander, I really like that his response is, hey, we, we'll all go. That'll be great. And Willow is saying, no, you know, just just take Impata." Xander says, but you were all excited about it. Willow says, no, no, just the two of you should go, and I'll see you there. This was so wonderful for Willow and so sad it is her making that choice she is looking at both what's good for Xander what will be good for Impata, but it is also what is good for her she is saying okay you know this is how it is you guys go to the dance and I feel that this is a big moment for her that she is moving on I think she'll still have her feelings for Xander But this is a new direction for her. And he says to her, you're my best friend. And she says, I know. And again, Allison Hannigan's face, so expressive, tells us everything about how Willow feels. Buffy and Giles decide they should go back to the museum that night to see if the other pieces are there. And Buffy seems very pleased for a moment. She's like, oh, I came up with a plan. And then she says uh, something like, no, wait, I have other plans, dance plans. And then she frowns, canceled plans. That's about 23 minutes in. I see that as something of a commitment by Buffy. In the beginning, she was fighting so hard to go to the dance. And here she is saying, OK, really wanted to go to the dance, have that normal life part. And I can't. My This is my duty. Impada is really happy when Sander asks her to the dance. And they both confess that they like each other. So of course, something terrible happens. In the women's room, the bodyguard confronts her, and Pata begs him not to kill her, and he says she's already dead. She makes the argument that she was innocent, she was sacrificed, and it wasn't fair. But he points out that the people she kills now are innocent. She must die, and she's the chosen one, and she has no choice. At 25 minutes in, she throws caution to the wind, and she puts her hands on him and sucks the life out of him and kills him. This is a very serious commitment to the quest by our antagonist. Back at the house, is getting ready for the dance, and she asks Buffy for a lipstick. She's also asking why Buffy's not going to the dance, and Buffy says she has work to do. Empata tells Buffy that... Buffy reminds her of a story from her people about the Incan princess because Buffy always puts others before herself. And she relays the story of the 16-year-old being sacrificed to protect her people. And Buffy resonates with this for obvious reasons. As they are talking, Buffy is starting to open up Empata's, uh, I think it's a backpack that was sent over from the train station. She almost sees that there are boys' clothes in there, but at that same moment, Impada is opening a drawer of Buffy's uh, dressing table and there are stakes inside. Buffy runs over to close it and hand Impada a lipstick. So they've almost seen each other's secrets. Then Buffy starts to open Impada's trunk. We can see there is a mummified body inside, but the doorbell rings. Buffy leaves to get it and Impada locks the trunk with a padlock. Xander arrives. He looks like one of many characters Clint Eastwood played in what was called Spaghetti Westerns, because they were filmed, I I guess because they were filmed in Italy, and he makes a joke about that. And this further confirms my view that someone in the writer's room was a Clint Eastwood fan. At the dance... Devin's band is playing, he's the singer, and Oz is in the background playing guitar. Cordelia is wearing what looks almost like a bathing suit with a sort of a skirt bottom and a flower in her hair. Willow, on the other hand, she's wearing a furred coat and hood with the hood up around her face and holding a spear. Cordelia looks at her and says as a joke, oh, I almost wore that. But later when Impada comes in, she compliments Willow on an authentic costume and she seems genuine about it. Willow, seeing Empada's beautiful dress, says to herself, uh, I guess I should have worn something sexy. We see Cordelia complaining to her friend about Sven, how he follows her around and he doesn't understand anything. And she says to him something like, get punchy. Get fruit drinky. So obnoxious. Later, Cordelia's friend is nice to Sven. Anne is talking with him, and he says, in perfect English, he says, what is wrong with Cordelia? Is she even from this country? We are moving toward the three-quarter turn. This spins the story in a new direction, though it grows out of the midpoint. And here it starts around 31 minutes, 36 seconds in, Giles shows up at Buffy's home instead of meeting her at the museum. He tells her the bodyguard was found mummified in the restroom. And unlike what Impata told them, the man in the stone seal is not a bodyguard for the mummy, he's a guard to keep the mummy from escaping. Buffy goes up to check Empada's trunk and finds the mummified corpse. And she says in another fun quote, What kind of girl travels with a mummified corpse and doesn't even pack a lipstick? This is a major new direction for our protagonist because she and Giles realize Empada is the mummy. We have known that, but Buffy did not. Back at the bronze, Xander and Empada are dancing and they both seem so happy as they start to kiss Her hands start to mummify. Xander doesn't see it, but she feels it, and she runs away from him. Before that, though, we see Oz and Devin on stage, and Oz says, who is that girl? Devin thinks that he means Empada and tells him about her being a foreign exchange student, and Oz says, no, he's pointing to Willow, and he's definitely very taken with her. Giles and Buffy are on their way to the museum, but realize that Xander is in danger. So Buffy is going to go to the bronze. Giles will head to the museum alone. Impada at the bronze, has run away from Xander. And she finds this high school boy who looks a little bit lost and lonely. He's sitting by himself. I think he's wearing some kind of cowboy hat. And she draws him back into some isolated area of the bronze. And they start to kiss, and she starts to suck the life out of him. He does ask her before they kiss, like, aren't you with Xander? And she says, does it look like I'm with Xander? Stay tuned for spoilers about this boy. For now, he is saved when Xander calls to Impata, distracting her, and the boy runs off. Sander asks why Empata ran away. She starts to cry and tells him she's very happy and very sad, but she can't tell him why. It's a secret. Now they do kiss her dried hands grip his face she starts to suck the life from him it's it's like she can't help it and we cut to a commercial another great hook before that commercial comes in and you potentially lose the audience afterwards Empata does break away from xander she says kind of under her breath no i can't she tells him she's sorry Giles is at the museum and he's fitting the seal together. He's very close to finishing it. Empata somehow feels this and she runs away, leaving Xander. Buffy comes into the bronze. She finds Willow, tells her Empata is the mummy. Willow says at first, Oh, good. And then she says, Xander they run off to find Xander. Oz comes up and is about to talk to Willow, but she has disappeared with Buffy. And he says to himself, who is that girl? Willow and Buffy find Xander and they all head for the museum. Giles is there alone. He is still fitting that seal together. If you look too closely, the timing doesn't really work here. There aren't that many pieces to the seal. I suppose Xander um, Giles could have been hunting for it and gradually piecing it together. But it seems kind of crazy that um, Impata was at the bronze and we had all these things happening. And somehow she gets to the museum before Giles finishes. But it is, it does make for a good climax he is just about to put the last piece in, and Impada sneaks up on him and tries to kill him. We are getting our climax of the main plot of Stop the Mummy, but also Xander's emotional arc here, and Empada's as well. Buffy interrupts. She stops Empada from hurting Giles. They fight. Impada throws Buffy into the coffin and closes the lid on her. Xander and Willow have arrived, and Pada grabs Willow, and she is trying to suck the life out of Willow. Xander yells at Impata to let Willow go. Impada says, but they can be together. She just needs this one more. Let her have this one. Otherwise, she'll die, and that will be it for them. 42 minutes, five seconds in. Xander says, if she wants a life, she'll have to take his. And can she do that? This is the, the true climax, the pinnacle of the story. Empada says, yes and she grabs him and starts to suck the life out of him. Buffy frees herself and pulls Impata away as she is disintegrating. I like that we see Xander standing up to Impada. We see that not just that he will protect Willow, but that he is not going to be happy at the expense of other people. I don't think we ever thought that Xander would would make a choice to be like, oh, okay, I'll be with this mummy girlfriend who has to kill people to stay alive. But it is in the heat of the moment. It's good to see that Xander does not, hesitate even for a second to stop Impata and to basically sacrifice himself in Willow's place probably he thought Impata was going to say no she couldn't take his life but I believe he really meant it if you want to take someone's life you're going to have to take mine we have a very short falling action less than a minute where we tie up loose ends Willow is comforting Xander at the museum The next day, Xander and Buffy are walking together, and he says he has the worst taste in women ever. And either here or earlier in the episode, he calls back to having fallen for the teacher who was a praying mantis. Buffy, though, tells him Impada wasn't evil, that she really cared about Xander. And Buffy also says Impada got gypped. She had her life taken away from her. Buffy remembers how she felt when she found out she was chosen and says she wasn't exactly thinking about doing the right thing. Xander points out that she did and that she gave up her life. Buffy says, and I had you to bring me back, and that is the end. I found it interesting how many episodes in these early seasons focused on Xander. On the one hand, as I mentioned, he's not quite as sympathetic a character when we view him two decades later. In other ways, though, there are aspects that I think everyone can identify with. Everyone has fallen for someone who doesn't return their feelings which we also have with Willow but has also at least I think everyone has had that feeling especially during the high school years that they will never figure these things out and that Xander has this feeling not just that oh Buffy's not interested, but that he is rejected over and over again. And his fear that this this is what his life will be. And then at the end, we get that fear that, okay, here was someone who did want him, but there was something so wrong about that, so wrong with her. And his feeling that, okay, yeah, when I do find somebody, I choose someone who is evil. All of these things are things that audience members can identify with. We also have some great things to model in Xander, even looking back two decades. I love that he admires Buffy's strength. I'd love to say that, oh, of course, any guy should be comfortable with a strong woman, but we really had few representations of that in our stories at the time. Other than some short spoilers, that is all I have for this episode. Next week, we will talk about Reptile Boy. It is another one-off episode. I find it a lot of fun. This time, it is very Cordelia-focused in that she persuades Buffy to go with her to a fraternity party. And nothing good ever happens at one of those especially in the Buffyverse. If you're not sticking around for the spoilers, thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next Monday. And we're back for spoilers. The boy we saw Impada try to kill at the bronze is Jonathan. He will turn up several different times, including in the next episode, Reptile Boy. He, uh, we see him at the end, and that's the first time we learn his name he becomes increasingly more important. At first, we keep seeing him as sort of, um, maybe not the butt of jokes. Well, he definitely is at one point from one of Cordelia's friends. Mostly we see him as this sort of generic victim Or the generic kind of nerdy high school boy, which is what will happen in Reptile Boy. Eventually, he will have some very pivotal episodes in Buffy, including in season four when he alters the entire world for an episode and gets to be in the credits, looking very cool. And of course, that helps prepare us for the major world alteration in season five. Then, if you've watched all the way through, and I assume you have because you're listening to spoilers, he'll be one of our three villains in season six. I find his story arc or his character arc the most interesting of the villains in season six. So I'm really looking forward to that and also to earshot the episode where he really comes into focus, which I think is in season three, where we think that he is the villain of that piece. Other major character who comes in here is Oz. I love this subtle introduction of him. I don't know if I picked up how important he would be when I saw this the first time. I really like that he is this uh, very reserved young guy who doesn't say a lot and has this dry wit, and that he is so taken with Willow from the moment he sees her. It's so much fun. The next time they cross paths, I feel pretty sure is in the Halloween episode where she's wearing the ghost costume. So they literally cross paths but he doesn't recognize her until he sees her much later at the end of the episode without the costume. I am also looking forward to talking about Oz and that relationship. It'll be key this season and in season four will give us one of the most heartbreaking episodes of Buffy ever. Two of the most heartbreaking, one when he leaves and one when he comes back. But there's a lot to go before we get to that, starting next week with Reptile Boy. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at Lisa Lilly. That's L-I-S-A-M as in marie L-I-L-L-Y. Hashtag Buffy Story or email me lisa at Lisa You can also find my fiction, including mysteries and supernatural thrillers, at lisalilly.com. And you can find articles on writing, time management, and publishing at writing as a second I hope to see you next Monday. Thank you for listening. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC, copyright 2020.